God's word from the Gospel of John and uh, the testimony of the Acts of the Apostles. So this is from John chapter 20, starting at verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And I'm going to read now from the first 21 verses of Acts chapter 2. So Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? However, some made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. 
No, this is what was pro pro spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. So, we know that it's Pentecost. Do we know that Pentecost means 50th? And it's seven weeks since Easter. And your arithmetic, I'm sure, extends to seven times seven is 49. And you think, well, how did we get to 50? But if you count the days at the both ends, you get another one, so hence 50. So that's why it's called Pentecost. And it's often considered to be the birthday of the church. There are some people I've seen get really excited as though this is the birthday. I mean, in fact, we missed a trick here, didn't we, Ben? Earlier on, when we were singing Happy Birthday, you know, we could have included the church. The coming of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit came in great power then, um, and we'll talk about that in a bit moment. A moment. But let's not think that the Holy Spirit's never been around before that. I'll read it to you, but so you don't need to do this. But if you turn to Genesis chapter one and go to verse two. My translation says, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So there is a very, very early reference to the Spirit, to the Holy Spirit. Right from the start of creation. Now, in addition to the readings that I've just read, I want to make mention, although I won't read it through, of the story in Genesis 11, which I dare say you know is about the Tower of Babel. And when they try, and I quote, to make a name for themselves by building a big tower... then things begin to go wrong. And we haven't learned, have we? We're still building big towers. 
And I was looking it up in the week, and as far as I can make out, the tallest building in the world now stands at 828 meters tall. And I suspect the reasons are still the same to make a name for ourselves, if I'm honest. But the Lord confused their languages so they did not understand each other. And isn't it amazing that we still have now such a variety of languages? Now here I am going to make a slight plug for the math prayer diary. Because in the week, one of the prayers pointed out that according to ethnolog, which I'd never heard of, there are 7,151 living languages in the world today. So quite a lot of division. Now, let's just look at the John reading. That seems likely to have been on the evening of Easter Sunday and conceivably in the same room as the Passover meal had taken place just a few days earlier. And when I first read it in preparation for this, the word that jumped out at me, you know how those things happen, was the word together. Together. So Jesus comes when they are together. Does Jesus come for us when we are together? And indeed, if you read on in that story, you read how it leads on into the story of Thomas wanting to be convinced and all of that. And it's when he is together that that happens. So I put it together. Put it, oh, that was not, that was not intended. <laughs> I put it to you that um, the togetherness, our fellowship, is something that we can learn about in terms of that. But I also just want to say briefly about that piece. Well, no, sorry, I I ran on ahead. He breathes on them to receive the Holy Spirit. And somehow we don't seem to, um, to take that on board, that, you know, in a sense, Jesus is saying, receive the Holy Spirit at that point. But he's also saying something very significant. I've got a job for you. I'm sending you. They must have been a pretty demoralized lot at that stage. All of them are recorded as having run away. Certainly most of them had. Conceivably John didn't. But, and we know that Peter had um, denied Jesus. So, then you know, and and actually if he'd come along and said, right lot you are, look what happens when I'm in a muddle. You know, that's a line that could so easily be said, isn't it? And we don't hear a word like that. Receive the Holy Spirit. And I am sending you. I don't think we need to dwell on it overly, but I will just say a word about the bit about forgiveness. How um, we... Jesus says, if you forgive, then I will forgive. And if you don't, you won't. 
And it seems to me that that's saying something about the power that we have in so many ways, each of us. You may not think you do, but in your friendships you have a power. And how important it is to use that wisely and responsibly. So whilst you may be able to choose not to forgive, I would suggest that's not a smart thing to do. And that the power that we have, whether it's as parents, whatever it is, carers or relationships, as friends, um, that we need to think carefully about how we use our power in those circumstances. In the Acts reading, they're starting together in a room, which I don't know where it would be. And almost before we know it, there's a lot of commotion, and they're outside talking. They're talking to a vast number of people. So even without sort of them very trying very hard, Jesus has sent them. He sent them out. There's a real sense of sending, which seems to be so, I mean, I don't particularly want to address math in this, but actually so much what math is doing, being sent. So it's dramatic stuff, and there's no question of that. And we're also told in that Acts reading that those who came together are God-fearing. So these really, in many senses, are already God's people. But this is a revelation to God's people. And then, of course, we have this extraordinary business about how they can hear each other in their own language. Which is why I think it's worth saying that this somehow is a sort of a beginning to close together the whole business of the Tower of Babel. But it, doesn't it just seem to you as well that we would actually be poorer without all our different languages, how, in a way, God's, God has used our sinfulness to somehow make something richer. That uh, I just feel it couldn't be right for us all to speak English, or Japanese, or Telugu, or what have you. It just doesn't seem right. <laughs> So the Spirit has been able to make it so we hear or those people heard in their own language. But then let's contrast that with how many people have spent vast parts of their lives working on translating Scripture. That there isn't just the Spirit's just going to be a short circuit for all the, the hard graft that's got to happen. So we need to be careful not to be seduced by exciting aspects of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working in, if you like, the mundane, or can work in the mundane in those sort of circumstances. 
Ben touched on this, the great inclusivity of the language that's used there. Men and women are specifically identified, aren't they? Young and old are specifically identified. All nationalities, well, not all, but, you know, there is an inclusivity of nationality. And I would suggest there's an inclusivity in terms of status in society, in terms of servants are included as well. So this speaks of opportunity, speaks of opportunity for getting out and being sent out by God and telling others of what he has done for us. Which, as I said, seems to be very much the work that... Um, MAF does, and what indeed we're all called to do. Turn the pages right. Earlier this year, Judy and I went to India. We've been there several times before. Um, and we've been to the same part, this particular part. And I will tell you that I felt a degree of trepidation as we went even with modern transport and the modern care that exists. So these guys who went before us, I would suggest in the former times, and indeed Thomas is reputed to have gone to India and ended up near um, what is now Chennai um, on the east coast of India, which is actually where we've, we've seen some of the things that they talk about there. Yet that's serious courage, wasn't it? So when we um, are slightly anxious about talking to our friend, perhaps that's worth bearing in mind. That uh, saying something that just we're not quite sure um, what will happen. I remember trying to go around our parish with a view to sorting out a prayer diary uh, and a prayer plan for the parish and being slightly coy about it all and I was down a sort of a dead end and, a, and somebody said you know hello what are you, what are you up to and I told them I said I'm trying to find out all the different places that there are so we can pray for them and I was rather anxious about saying this and it's almost as though she didn't hear me and she just carried on the conversation I was just amazed really um, how things like that can happen. But we are called to go. So even if it's doing something quite modest, we're called to go. Uh, and it might be that that's called to speak out just where we are or to go further afield. And we can pray for the work of the Spirit too. Let's think of another aspect of the Spirit. In John chapter 16, we can read that when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. And he goes on to explain, in regard to sin, because people do not believe in me, in Jesus. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands 
condemned. So let's pray and ask the Spirit into our lives and into the lives of others.